You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since that, one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars? idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what Star Wars is about. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host Caitlin and welcome to this week's Clone Wars recap and analysis from us and this week we're talking about the episode On the Wings of Caradax, not... Octoptaris, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but this is the third episode in the four-episode arc of the Bad Batch at the start of season seven of the Clone Wars, and this was this was a really short episode, but it was a really good episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is entitled "On the Wings of Caradax," and it was written by Brent Friedman and Matt Mignovitz, and it was directed by Bosco Ng, who we saw Bosco a lot on Resistance, so it was cool to see him again see him back welcome back Bosco. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like did he already direct this before this is like the major question with yeah. the clone wars i still don't have like a hundred percent answers on whether or not this whole thing was like a hundred percent re-recorded Redone, either yeah. reshot and yeah i i want to know more and hopefully they'll dive into that once it's all finished um like this arc is all finished maybe in the Clone Wars download or something, but I it, it's so intriguing to me. Yeah, this is uh, this is kind of like our foreshadowing, backshadowing Whoa. nonsense of yesteryear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to explain that? Um, it's so hard to explain, but Charlotte and I used to when we were watching Star Wars through when we were like in in middle school. When else? And um, <laughs> we were talking about just how it's so funky the way that star wars is made you know how we start in the middle and then go back to the beginning and how the things that happen in the prequels are technically foreshadowing for the story but then they're backshadowing for the audience (laughs) because it's like we like episodes four through six that already come out so we would always be like oh this is this is an an instance of foreshadowing but actually it's backshadowing (laughs) We said this all the time. <laughs> on and on and on. Anytime something like happened in in the in like the original trilogy, or the second trilogy, we'd be like, "Oh, it's backshadowing," but technically, it's foreshadowing. But really, it's backshadowing. <laughs> it's like so dumb. But this situation with the directors kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I really liked this episode. Yeah. Uh, you had told me that it was your favorite of the three that we've seen so far, and I, I'm really surprised by that. I know. I'm honestly really surprised, too. Uh, I think it was just – it was a lot of fun. I love the humor of it. I thought it had good intrigue. Um, it wasn't – I don't know. It's it's the shortest episode we've had. It was 18 minutes, which uh, felt – I remember when I saw that pop up, I was like, excuse me. Yeah, I was sad. I was bummed. <laughs> yeah, but I don't feel like a second was wasted – there was a lot of um, action. Like I said, I, I thought it was paced really well. I didn't feel bored or it, it didn't feel as short as it was. So I, I don't know. I really enjoyed this episode. I feel like now it's like in a rhythm where I know these characters better too. And I'm 
I'm on board with everything that they're doing. I'm super on board with The Bad Batch, which yeah, I think yeah. is just so funny because, again, we've talked about this here. We weren't, we're not super big fans of the clones. And starting again with this clone arc of the Clone Wars, we were like, okay, <laughs> four whole episodes with Ooh. them. And, and now I'm like, I love The Bad Batch. They are so fun, so funny, such a good team. I love the banter with Anakin. I'm like, I never want this to end. I could live in this forever so yeah yeah it is it is funny i i care about them i know who they are and even i would say that this episode even wasn't even super focused on the bad batch but rather rex and echo and i was really invested in their dynamic too and i remember halfway through the episode when we saw that they've got to cross that like pipe or something and the camera like pans out to what they're gonna have to do and i go Oh no, Wrecker! <laughs> he's afraid of heights. No, he's of heights. he gets up there and he's like, "Oh no!" And I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I love it. It's like, "Oh no, he's gonna hate this." <laughs> and he did. And he did. <laughs> no. Well, why don't we get started though? So, part one is our mystery part. Part two is our story part. And then part three, we'll be talking about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So that, of course, was my main focus, is making a Star Wars that George Lucas was proud of, obviously proud enough to want to put it up on the big screen, and we're all thrilled about that. But, uh, you know, hey, fans are passionate, and whether they say for good or for ill about anything, any aspect of it, it's because they love it. You know, they 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 want it to be good. They want it to it. To, they feel an ownership over Star Wars at this point, and I respect that. I mean, in both directions. You know, I I respect the good things I've heard, and I respect when fans says, Ah, why is it animated? Yeah, okay, I get it. But you know, give it a chance and check it out, and I think they'll be surprised because I'm a fan and I like it. Okay, welcome to part one, the mystery part, and we'll get to the. We'll solve the mystery in a minute, but first we're going to go over the fortune cookie, which is survival is one step on the path to living. And then the original fortune cookie from the animatic that came out, you know, years ago was in war, there's no such thing as neutrality. And I think that these fortune cookies, I think we talked about this last week too, where the original fortune cookie was kind of more focused on the war, the bigger picture of the war, whereas the one that they ended up airing now in season seven seemed a lot more character driven and focused on what our characters were going through. And I think that's the same thing here, honestly, because the original one where it's talking about in war, there's no such thing as neutrality, neutrality. It really feels like it's talking about what happens at the end of the episode or the back half of the episode with the Poltex and the separatists and uh, the Jedi there. Whereas the one that they aired, survival is one step on the path to living. It kind of feels like it's it's more inclusive, both of what was happening with the Poltex, but then also with Echo and, and him kind of being reintegrated back into the into the group. Yeah, I think I've been thinking a lot about what we talked about last week with essentially the same thing, like you said. And I have to wonder if Dave learned from his work on The Mandalorian And how The Mandalorian is such a character-focused show. We really care so much about our two main characters. And how 
he can kind of focus because I feel like this episode also was really tight. And one of the reasons why I think you and I both liked it is probably because it was really I was really focused on the character dynamics as well as the action. And those like were working together rather than action overtaking character dynamic. And I think that it is pretty reflected in this fortune cookie. And I've just been thinking a lot about what Dave has learned from the Mandalorian. He talks about it a lot, right? About how you know, he's ta- he's taken so many lessons into what he's learned from directing live action back into animation right now. Mm-hmm. And not that this episode was directed by Dave, of course, but it's all supervised by Dave. And I think that by refocusing this fortune cookie, it does remind me of how focused the Mandalorian feels on a single character or the character dynamics themselves. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think it I I think looking at the changes in these fortune cookies is so telling and very interesting, honestly. Yeah, it's actually become one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, what it is now, what was it then? Yeah, Ooh. and it's not like it's not like these two fortune cookies don't like the old one doesn't reflect what's happening in the story. You're mm-hmm. you're so right in that it it does, but it, I think that the new one is a better fortune cookie overall. Yeah, it feels more refined. It feels like it will be more inclusive of the entire season and what we may see our characters going through in the future episodes, probably like Anakin and Rex mainly. Ahsoka too. Yeah, but just like because there are these episodes right now. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, so for the mystery fun part of this, so in the past we've done trivia we did a, a, a spirited debate. <laughs> and this time I thought it would be fun to go over some fun Easter eggs that I noticed that haven't been confirmed yet, but I thought I'd bring them up and this seemed like a good place to bring them up. Yeah. Um, so I feel like this episode was kind of filled with many references and everything. And I again, I just want to run down them. And this is something that we've talked about before in the past about whether or not I generally like an Easter egg filled episode or an episode that is kind of based off of a classic movie or anything. But what I'm about to talk about is an example of what I do like. I like when it's a pastiche of different elements rather than one thing. I'm always, I will always go back to the episode with when we see Rex and the clones again in Rebels and it is such a Jaws situation that it just really irks me anyway (laughs) (laughs) but I really like when there's a kind of a cluster of different inspirations and influences and so many of the things that I'm about to list are come like from directly in-house uh Indiana Jones Jurassic Park all of those were you know tangentially aligned to Lucasfilm Mm -hmm. so that's always fun So the first one that I want to talk about was something that Brandon from Talking Bay 94 pointed out on Twitter, and I think this is super cool. Uh, They When they're talking about tech, he says, uh, someone says, I forget who it is, he says, oh, he records everything. And I love that. I think this is, I think Brandon is correct. I think this is a Ben Burtt slash Matthew Wood reference, um, because that's exactly, that's Ben Burtt's whole whole vibe right <laughs> is him recording literally everything getting sounds like what is his sound library like honestly i don't know i don't know what's his phone like you know <laughs> what's his digital storage like his voice memo situation honestly <laughs> I, it's funny because when i first heard tech say that i remember thinking oh like a podcast <laughs> 
Oh my god, same. I thought the same thing. <laughs> and then I saw Brandon's tweet too, where it was like, "Oh, like Ben Burr," and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that <laughs> that's <sense>. right." <laughs> I don't think it's Ben not- Burr podcast. <laughs> it's not like podcasts in universe aren't a thing, though. Remember, Linda yeah, has a podcast, the, can- the Conversing Chronicles. Yeah, it's amazing. I need a second so season of it. <laughs> Give me more. <laughs> I just want to see what he talks about. Is it just, you know, I bet he's probably such like a lifestyle blogger. I bet he would have so many ads. Like his swipe up situation <laughs> on an Instagram would be out of this world. <laughs> it's getting money from Amazon. So much money from Amazon. <laughs> Gotta fund that coat closet fund. He is. He's like, well... <laughs> can you not see lando circa solo time period just like well you know i was out about and i i went and i picked up some of uh from the new collection at the coach factory the cape place and uh on coruscant i just picked up a couple new things and let me show you what they are (laughs) if you're interested i'll have all the links down below (laughs) i can totally see that and uh, if you want to catch up on what i picked up last time i was in coruscant just click on the i card in the upper left hand corner (laughs) so good me showing how much youtube i watch (laughs) (laughs) okay so the next one was when the kiradax arrived on the 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 bridge and they have to jump from them and after tech creates the sound i could have sworn the sound was from like a velociraptor sound from Jurassic Park 3. But some people have said that the sound sounds like an Ackley in Attack of the Clones, which I think is pretty valid. I watched the episode again and I heard that too. And perhaps they're mixed together, which is something that the sound guys would totally do. And even just the act of recording the sound and then calling them is directly from Jurassic Park 3 when I forget the guy's name. Um, this is oh my god i'm like so stressed about my jurassic park 3 knowledge it's, uh the he records the sound and calls the raptors and it's, it's the same situation helps them get out of danger uh so i was like oh direct link that was pretty cool yeah i think uh i don't really know jurassic park as well as you do so <laughs> just, i think i heard Ackley, but that was also because i saw people talking about it so when i rewatched the episode i was like oh yes Ackley. <laughs> I think it's both. I think that it can yeah. be both. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think that those creatures would have the exact same sound as an Ackley, but I wouldn't be surprised if they used that and then mixed it together with mm-hmm. another sound that they have from their library, which the Velociraptor sound makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Because that is in their library. Yeah. Man, the kind of recall you – like, even thinking about what their sound libraries look like and then the kind of recall about where to find what you're thinking of in your head, how are these things organized? The tagging situation. The tagging situation. It's <laughs> got to be insane. And just the the recall that you would have to have to be Matthew Wood or Ben Burt. Be like, ah, yes, this. And then find it. Well, I think that's why those guys are so – like, they've remained in their, their spots for so long and have been so involved in Lucasfilm because I – I think that they carry that sort of knowledge with them, yeah. like 40 plus years of experience for some, because so much of that is just memory, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Anyway, oh, boy. The, <laughs> the walking across the bridge also felt super Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, like so much. Yeah, it, it really did. It really did. Even the coloring of it, too. Yeah. That, which, you know, we're on Skago Minor. It was that hydrogen sulfide atmosphere so that's Mm -hmm. what it looks like (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so also I think the Kyrodax looked just like the creature from Mortis. They do. Which I don't know what to make of that. Or if I should make anything from it, it probably is just leftover uh, concept art. But it is interesting that they're able to harness them and ride them. There's something there. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be different versions of concept art because you know what they say at Lucasfilm is that they never throw anything away. Yeah, and so it's cool I, though. Yeah, no, they they were really cool. They were fun to look at. Everything with wings in this episode was super cool. Yeah, I think the the droids with their wings were my favorite. They're just so unique. The way they mm-hmm. move, the way they fly, they have like multicolored lights on their like wings. It's it's crazy. When they pop up to yes. form like the T, I was whoa. <laughs> I was so looking. Cool. I'm like, why am I so? Why do I? Why am I fascinated with these droids? Why? Because they're designed so beautifully. I know. This this is um, what season seven Clone Wars is doing to me. Yeah, Clones, for sure. Droids. What am I thinking? <laughs> Whole planets. Whole planets. <laughs> <laughs> Taurus. Eight eyed gas bag headed vine walkers. Good God. <laughs> oh my God. Um, speaking of those droids, though, I think that there's a shot where they're all flying after the Kyrodax that is exactly like the flying monkeys in Wizard of Oz, almost to a T. And I thought that was kind of cool, like this, these ominous flying droids after them. It's the same vibe. Yeah, when you had put this in the show notes, I, I hadn't noticed that at first. And then I was rewatching the episode and I was like, well, can't unsee that now. No, you can't. It's it's spot on. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> okay, so the last one is something I heard on Blast Points' podcast, and they said that they pointed out that Anakin jumping on the Octo Droid thing is perhaps a reference to the Clone Wars movie because that's where we first see Anakin, and it has that really dramatic shot. I can see it in my head, and you can hear the music mm-hmm. of the camera kind of coming in close on him from the bottom. Yeah. And I think that they even play up this with Echo saying, still showing off, huh, General? And because that's the moment we see him in the first Clone Wars movie is him totally showing off. Yeah. And and it, it is so perfect to me. And I really like this link in this last season to go back to the movie. He was so over the top in taking down that walker. I... <laughs> It was amazing. <laughs> just like, fl- like flipping and somersaulting from leg to leg. <laughs> the absolute dramatics. <laughs> I was watching it and I'm thinking, oh my God, Anakin, just calm down. Just chop off its legs. <laughs> He's just like. No, he can't. <laughs> somersaulting, flipping, dragging his lightsaber all the way down. Go like <laughs> so much. And really then all the is. politics are like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> while he's standing on top of it after it's down <laughs> and at the end when they're like you can't compete with the jedi hunter says that and it's, yeah it's true i mean anakin's straight up showing off he, he can't really, really compete with that he really is so funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought these were some really fun uh references and easter eggs i think the ben burt one is probably my favorite along with the flying monkeys from wizard of oz <laughs> Tomorrow when we get the uh, guide, I'm sure there's going to be more that I missed. Yeah, yeah. I'll be interesting to see what they do confirm, though, especially if they confirm the the sound recording everything. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, it would be. It would be. <laughs> okay, let's move on to talking about the story. Let's. So if you're a captain and I'm a Jedi, then technically I outrank you, right? 
In my book, experience outranks everything. Well, if experience outranks everything, I guess I better start getting some. Okay, so welcome to part two where we're discussing the story. So here's our first question. Where do we find our heroes and where do they end up by the end of the episode? So this episode was uh, very small, very short, very action-packed. Uh, we start the episode with a lot of action and we end it with a lot of action too. And they're inside the place where Echo is kept. I keep forgetting to look up the name of where they actually are, but the Cyber Center on Skago Minor, the best planet ever. And <laughs> and they end it there as well. Uh, but this time they are with the Poltex and they have basically, well, we end it with the Techno Union and the Techno Union being really frustrated at what's happened. And uh, after they've been beaten by the Poltex and Anakin and the rest of the clones too. I thought this, I didn't expect them to go back to the Poltex. And that was kind of, I thought this was really interesting that they, the whole conversation that they had with the Poltex at the end of the episode when they get back there and they have that big battle, which I think the battle itself was like really, it was really gorgeous and how it was shot. And it really kept me entertained when that's not usually what I pay attention to. And I was really tracking with what all of the clones were doing, what Anakin was doing, uh, the different kinds of shots. I don't know. I feel like I tracked better with the actual strategy of this battle and like how they were getting the upper hand than I usually do, especially with like the dog fights in space. Sometimes it's really hard for me to keep track <laughs> of all the ships and where they're supposed to be going. Some might say that you tracked well with this scene because of the tracking shots. Wow. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the conversation that Anakin had with the Poltex when they get back there. Because we talked in last episode about how it was kind of unfair of Anakin and the clones to show up to the Poltex and uh, basically the Poltex are really upset that they're there. You know, why are you here? Don't bring the war to us. And they're trying to explain that it's not their fault that the separatists got here first. The techno union is not neutral, yada, yada, yada. So the Poltex help them get into the cyber center to rescue Echo. And then they come straight back to the Poltex and the Poltex are like, mm, WTF, why are you back here? <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, Anakin, uh, Anakin and Echo, Echo or uh, Rex kind of takes over this conversation where he says, you know, we had no choice. We didn't plan to drag your people into war, but look what the Separatists did to one of our own men. And they show him Echo and how, you know, Echo has just been ravaged by the Techno Union with his limbs, with everything like on his back and his head and how awful it is. Um, when he says that they didn't have a choice but to come back to the Poltex, did they have a choice? I think this is such a good question because I think they did. And I also think that the – it's hard for me, again, because we've talked about this already. It's hard for me to not feel some extreme sympathy for the Poltex. I think we're supposed to, obviously. But because now they're involved in a war that they didn't want to be involved in at all. And – it's interesting because I think that this episode and this this arc really does comment on isolationist politics and how perhaps that's not the best strategy, but I, I can't help but feel like uh, it's just not fair <laughs> and that I, I wish that they didn't have to be involved because of the fact that they just came back. You know, the Jedi and the clones just came back. Like, that's the really the only reason why. Um I think in the original animatic, it shows 
how the decimator could be used against the poll tax. I'm, I'm just now remembering this. And it's to me, I would see how that would be a clearer link into why the poll tax would want to be involved because of this decimator weapon. Um, but because that part, if I'm not mistaken, isn't necessarily included in this version in the, the, the final version of this Clone Wars episode, um, that link for me wasn't there, but instead I just felt like really sad about how this war will take everyone in it, um, no matter the smallest village or the largest city. Yeah, I felt myself thinking that it was really fair and kind of or unfair and kind of selfish of Anakin and Rex to come back to the Poltex. And at the end, right when they see the Techno Union advancing, I think I think it's Rex. So our hunter, one of them says, uh, I hope they're help basically like I hope the Poltex are gonna help us because here comes the Techno Union and we can't do it on our own. Mm-hmm. And kind of again, like last week, kind of forcing the Poltex hand to make a choice. And even at the end when they say uh, the Jedi will always have an ally here on Skako Minor, it makes it sound like everything is wrapped up, but it's not. Like the Techno Union is still there and they're just going to recoup their losses and the Separatists are still there. But now the Poltex have taken part in this battle against the Techno Union. So is it was it beneficial for the Poltex? What's going to happen to them in the future? And I don't know. I found myself uh, really frustrated that they would go back and kind of make the Poltex take part in this when it wasn't anything they wanted. Yeah, absolutely. I think that by the end, when they're rejoicing and then they say that the Jedi will always have a, a place here, I... I don't, I'm not sure. I think I felt like that was earned, of course, but it did make me, I I totally agree with you. It did make me feel a little uneasy Mm -hmm. and unsure about their place that now involved in a a bigger war that they didn't ask for. It's kind of interesting when you think about like the bigger picture and history of like the Jedi within the galaxy. And I bring this up a lot about how um, the history of the Jedi is completely wiped within like 10 years after the Order 66, which is kind of incredible that the entire galaxy has very different collective memory of the Jedi to the point where a lot of the people that we meet in post-Revenge of the Sith content think that they're just a myth, that they didn't exist, um, or that they're so far gone. They, they talk about them as almost like an ancient past when it really was less than a generation ago. But at, during this time, the Jedi are literally in every corner of the galaxy. And so the fact that they're able to be erased the way that they are is so impressive. But when you look at something like Skako Minor, where, you know, the Jedi will always have an ally here, in five years, like, these people didn't forget that the Jedi were there in five years later. But are they are they also perpetuating this story about how the Jedi, like, it's better to forget the Jedi because they were ultimately failures in what they set out to do. And it was a Jedi who turned to the dark side. I don't know. I think the conversation is really interesting, like on Skako Minor after Order 66 happens and 10 years later for like this community in particular, how were they talking about this moment when Anakin was there and they saw this Jedi do great things? Is it something that no one's allowed to talk about anymore because they ultimately were taken over by separatists and then the Empire? Or did they just not talk about it at all um, or forget it? Or was it only spoken about 
in like whispers kind of thing to the point where it did become a myth. I don't know. I find it really interesting. Yeah, especially because the whole idea is that after Order 66, Palpatine says the Jedi turned against him and left him scarred and deformed. Yeah. Um, in that assembly, it feels like our pe- people are just going to take that at face value. And I suppose that, yes, they do, because Palpatine then has proof of his deformity to show that how how awful he says the Jedi were to him, right? Is Palpatine – I think you're right, but is Palpatine showing that? Because I feel like a lot of the Palpatine propaganda we saw in Rebels, they're showing him as he looked before. I don't know well, if he's actually – I think that he, at least in Revenge of the Sith, he is showing that he puts on his hel- his hood. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not like he isn't showing that. It's almost like he's showing that when he needs to show that. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You know? you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I just. I, how did he do it? <laughs> he did it. Everyone did, believed him. How did he get this story? I mean. The Jedi, thousands of Jedi, guardians of the galaxy, across the galaxy on all these planets. And 10, 15 years later, they're regarded as a myth. It's amazing. Part of me wonders, my brain immediately goes to why would people be so quick to believe the worst in the Jedi after, you're right, so many years of uh, peacekeeping and helping and, you know, individual like one-on-one connections throughout the galaxy. And I wonder if it's that weird sorcerer aspect of the fact that people are easily able to see the worst in in, in things when they think something is strange or different. Mm. And the Jedi do represent that because there are these mythic sorcerers. I mean, you hear all the time, right, of wizards, you know, yeah. wizards and how strange is that? This weird power, this mystical power, you know, I don't believe that and anything like that. So when you have the leader of the galaxy saying that they're awful, your almost your biases can can make that leap of, yeah, they are so crazy and weird and they have this power which is terrible, but I can see how that would be something that would be written into Star Wars. Yeah, and now there are just none left. Yep, absolutely. It's really freaky. It'd it, it be like forgetting the like things that happened in 2005. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everything that, everything that happened in 2005 <laughs> was a myth. Yeah. It, it's so crazy. iPods, not real. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can never like get off this conversation. I just <laughs> I gotta know how he did it specifically. I need that story told. Yeah, I think I I do think it's really interesting to bring up this conversation though about the Poltex and whether or not they're okay with the fact that they're now dragged into this war. Yes, they're rejoicing at the end, but their entire village is decimated. Yeah. Yeah, it's so strange. It really is. Okay, so something else that was just kind of a little interesting about this episode and kind of in the bigger conversation of the war and what's going on is that uh, I think it's Tech or Rucker who say at the very beginning of the episode that they've called for an extraction squad and there was no answer. And I just find it really unsettling that there wasn't even a response, not even a no. They were just ignored from the sounds of it. And Anakin, again, seems super chill about this. He's like, well, we knew we'd be on our own. Let's go. 
I'm like, this, these are your, this is the Jedi, and they're just not even, they left you on red. <laughs> they did. They, they did. left them on red. They left them on red. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have anything to add to this besides it's super weird. And yeah. I know that they, it, Anakin's right. They did know that they were going to be on their own. It was a stealth mission. They keep saying that it's a stealth mission. Mm -hmm. But regardless, it's really like a nail in the coffin of how they really are on their own. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see in the next episode how Echo is welcomed back or how this whole mission is kind of treated to the wider group. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And to talk a little bit about Echo and everything that has to do with that character, I want to mention how freaking unsettling it was to see them unplug him. Mm, mm -mm. I, I, I've i watched the episode twice now, and I watch the animatics, and it happens in both of those, and I have to look <laughs> away each time. <laughs> it, was, it was really jarring. I mean, talk about something unsettling to wake you up at, like, 6.45 in the morning. <laughs> I was like, oh... <laughs> Good morning. I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> don't like it at all. <laughs> I think so. It, it while it was pretty violent, it did kind of hammer home to me that Echo was yes used as a weapon. Mm -hmm. He was plugged in. He was a computer, for lack of a better term. And he, the the violent unplugging was necessary in order to for us to understand the separation between these two, and. This other guy, we have to have a reminder that, you know, he was used as a weapon. And we, we get this brought up later about the techno union. I think it's so interesting that the techno union was like, at the end, they don't tell the separatists that the clones got away. And they say, so he says something like, we have to recoup, we must find a way to recoup on our investment. And it's, so interesting. So first off, they're they're hiding things from the wider separatist group, but also this investment. I don't know the whole the whole system is effectively destroyed because Hunter laid not Hunter um, Wrecker laid those bombs and it's exploded. So well, it'll be really interesting to see in the next episode how they are able to recoup on their investment or what that plan is because they're really they're going underneath the separatists so what is uh admiral trench gonna think about that my guess is admiral trench is gonna figure it out real fast because <laughs> i mean think about it what echo actually was doing there and he was he was giving them all the plans to everything that was going on and that was giving them such a huge upper hand in the war so i think they'll see the effects of that pretty immediately that they don't have the kind of strategies and plans that they used to have they don't have him anymore. So I think we'll see the Techno Union really try to get Echo back. But it's it's not going to be good, I don't think. I don't think. Yeah. But yeah, just the way that they talk about Echo is a lot, again, the, the bigger conversation. It is of like the humanity of the clones and the way that they only talk about him as property. You know, we have to recoup on our investment, which is, yes, both the, I guess, the lab where they kept him, but then also Echo himself because they've done a lot of modifications to him too. And they even say when they come in to the, to the decimated lab, they say uh, – they've stolen techno union property and that being echo mm. and it's like he's been branded like with a cereal bar or something like a barcode yeah i mean Ugh. that happens in the republic too yeah. in a way yeah yeah it does but they rise above it with names like echo that they give themselves true but 
people like Anakin do use them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Not everyone does, though. No, not everyone does. Whew, I don't like Let's it. Talk a- so I think that we're talking a lot about Echo. So I think we should move into part three because I think he kind of he kind of stole the lime, not stole the limelight, but he was center stage this episode. So let's move into part three. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council. And without you. Okay, welcome to part three. And let's talk a little bit more about Echo. Because he he had a lot to do and say this episode. Yeah, I want to start with the most intriguing thing, which is the last line, which is not in the original animatic. So when this episode was ending, I was like, wait, what? How am I supposed to feel about this? (laughs) And so basically he says, yeah, just like old times. But the Kevin Kiner music, it's very weird. Not really sure what to think about that at all. It's super ominous. Yeah, because uh, Rex, they're getting onto the transport. And Rex says, come on, Echo. It'll be just like old times. And then Echo says, yeah, just like old times. I don't actually think that was the music, but it was very creepy. And I remember it's just because earlier in the episode, right when they unplug him and they're talking about how they're going to get out and Echo says, I know what to do because even though they had access to everything I had, I also had access to everything they know. So what kinds of things are inside this, you know, techno union cyber center that Echo basically has downloaded into his brain now. What does he know? Everything. Does he? The Separatists are giving all of that information to the Techno Union? I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) I feel like he – it's so ominous. I – my my brain, though, immediately went to Order 66 and how does he potentially know what's coming for the clones in general? That's what I think. And that's what's really kind of scary. (laughs) We are absolutely all leading to sadness. And it, especially with the clones, you can't think about how their end point in this Clone Wars era isn't the Order 66. So when you have Echo say this line, you have to think, okay, so does he know how all his friends are going to end? And therefore, that's why he has some sort of hesitation in the whole just like old times, because now going into his crew with that knowledge, nothing will ever be the same. He won't ever be the same. So it's just uh, scary. I almost wondered if at some point the Techno Union would be able to basically Wi-Fi and take over control of Echo remotely. Mm. I don't like from a chip or something. Yeah, yeah. If they can activate his chip uh, like prematurely or something, I I don't know. I think that would be really freaky. And given how upset they were at the end of the episode with everything that was destroyed, I don't think so because I think they would have maybe said something along the lines of like, we'll have to move on to plan B. <laughs> um, but I did think like it, I it gave me the vibe almost of like, is Echo really – is he all back? Is he all back here with us? What's the What's the deal? Yeah, I think that you're supposed to think that. Yeah. And I, I think at this point we can kind of – wonder if Dave is really going to change a lot that goes on in in this arc that we know. I think that from that line, I was like, oh boy, 
we're 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 really I don't know. I think that there's so many things that could could be changed um, to make the story sadder <laughs> and to give knowing like the full arc of the season. I mean, I don't know that obviously, but no, we know that Revenge of the Sith happens. So how can they make that more devastating? Because I think that's the plan. <laughs> oh god (laughs) and i feel like this is an an area that they can make that more devastating they're like looking at a lineup they're like where can we put in more sadness ah yes that's literally what dave does (laughs) literally does literally does let's make it more tragic (laughs) i will say one of the other things you know talking about echo is almost more machine than man similar to that vader line just the way that they talk about Tech says they're ha- he's having trouble unplugging him from the cerebral interface, which I just ooh, hated how that sounded. Yeah. And then them unplugging him. It was just it was very clinical, very inhuman. And then uh, when Echo opens up the hatch above them that they eventually escape out of, he puts his his mechanical arm basically just has a port at the end like a droid that he puts in and it like spins around like we see R2D2 do all the time. And Mm -hmm. it was just, it was very upsetting, honestly. And just like, oh, what, like, what did they do to him? Oh, my God. It was just, it was a lot. It's a lot to see Echo in the state that he's in. Right. It's, it's pretty jarring. This, um, even just seeing this guy run around with, like, fully armored clones when he's, like, shirtless and half droid at this point. Yeah. Um, It is... Uh, I think it's supposed to be, yeah, alarming about is. how much they, you know, cut up his him physically, but also mentally. Yeah, but at the same time, you are filled with hope because I I loved this line. Better to feel something than nothing, old buddy from Rex. Um, when when after Echo says he has a a headache after they unplugged him. Yeah. And Ugh. I thought that was great. And I got so much clone feels because feeling something, I don't know. I, again, I think I go, my brain goes immediately to Order 66, where you have to wonder if when that order is activated, because we know how things go. That's what's so sad is that most of these clones do carry out Order 66. Yeah. And at that point, do they feel nothing? They have to feel nothing, right? Or or do they and they just can't control it? Oh my god! Even that's so sad. So what what is it worth it? So it, this line in the context of Order sixty six is it better to feel something than nothing? You know, when carrying that out, if you remember what you did at the end of it, it's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> oh my god. Oh okay. Well okay. For some laughs. <laughs> okay. Is your favorite Bad Batch member changing yet? No, I still like Tech and Hunter. And especially, I think Hunter had a great couple of moments with the knives. So cool. Mm. The thing is, I feel like Hunter hasn't had a lot to do. these. Like, right. The past- episode one was Hunter's episode. Yeah. And then he hasn't, He like, I feel like he hasn't been doing as much the past few, two episodes. Yeah. Your member changed, though. Mine did. Well, I think Tech is still my favorite. But man, Wrecker is coming in like real fast to number two. He shot up to number two this episode. <laughs> I loved it. I loved him in this episode so much. I loved him so much. And then they had this great uh, moment when they were on the bridge, Wrecker and Tech. So it was like my two faves now. And Wrecker is freaking out. And Tech just goes, it's fine. Just 
if you fall, don't take me with you. (laughs) (laughs) And you just hear – so it's another tracking shot and they're like pulling away from Tech and Wrecker as they're like walking – like the camera's going down the line. But you can still hear Wrecker in the background being like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look down. Don't look – I looked. (laughs) And then I love Tech. Tech had a lot of great lines in this one. He was the one who said cerebral interface with Echo at the beginning, and then on the bridge, and then when they're walking around, and we get this great moment of seeing Anakin's hair move in the wind. Oh yes! And Anakin goes, "Does anyone have a brilliant idea?" And Tech goes, "I do. I have a brilliant idea." <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. <laughs> and that's I love he, Tech. <laughs> I know he's so funny. I don't. I I like can't remember what Crosshair did in this episode though, which is upsetting because I really like him. Same, actually. Yeah, I really I really enjoy him. But yeah, Tech and uh, Wrecker. I gotta say, one of my favorite uh, like big shots in this episode was when. Anakin is pulling Wrecker up into the hatch after they've rescued mm-hmm. Echo, and we see all the purple lightning from the decimator. It was, and you just see Wrecker above it, like floundering in the air. Me too. <laughs> and the lightning is getting closer. It was, it was a really good scene. I meant to screenshot it. Actually, I liked it so much. Yeah, I liked it too. I, I didn't talk about this in our story part, but the decimator is quite different than in the original animatic, and we didn't really get to see that at all in the animatic um, with this sort of uh, lightning-y situation. But I really, really liked it, and I thought it was super haunting and cool the way that it, it the lightning acted almost like an arm trying to yeah. grab Wrecker. And it was just – you could really feel how uh, threatening that was. Yeah, it worked. It really was. I got to say that moment reminded me a lot of when I think it's the landing at Point Rain in the Clone Wars when they're scaling that wall or whatever. And Anakin like drops Rex down with the force from this wall or whatever. And Rex is like, oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Like, don't do that again. (laughs) And and then Anakin does the same thing with Wrecker. I thought it it was so cheeky, that whole setup when Wrecker was like, I'll get you up there and throws all the other clones up there. And then Anakin was just like, I can do it myself. Thank you. And (laughs) Force jumps up there. Yeah. It was so good. I loved it. It was really good. And I I liked how Anakin was like, are you dumb? Like, get up here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, whoa, I don't think I've ever heard Anakin say, are you dumb? (laughs) It was a lot. (laughs) So dramatic. uh, He's so much. He is. He is so dramatic. And I love him for it. I have been really appreciating these Anakin moments, really savoring them in these episodes. I I can't not mention how amazing the animation looks Mm -hmm. in, in this episode. And all episodes, but specifically always Anakin. You're so right about the hair. But, man, they make Anakin look so good. I do. He's really been on another level. And the the hair design is just brilliant. <laughs> it really is. It really is. It, it flows so well in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love this crew, though. I love the Bad Batch. And I love Rex and yeah. Anakin. And... Again, reflecting after this episode, I was like, wow, I just genuinely really enjoy spending time with these characters, which is something I did not expect at all, which I think is a real testament to like the bonds that they're showing and everything and um, built off of last episode, especially understanding the friendship between Anakin and Rex and um, like what Anakin thinks about when he is, 
you know, their commander, right? General, 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 general. general. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one of the the fun things that I forgot to mention in our mystery part was the whole they fly now part. Everyone got that immediately, though. Was that fun? I don't know. That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> but that was definitely a reference. You can't. It, it was. Yeah. But again, which came first? Uh, good question. Mm, is, it <laughs> is it backshadowing? <laughs> who's the foreshadower? Who's the backshadower here? Yeah, when they when they said that, when I first heard, I was like, oh, please don't say it again. Please don't say it again. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully they didn't <laughs> yeah but yeah that definitely was uh that definitely was a reference i think this was a really short episode i feel like this is probably one of our shorter episodes that we've had of the clone wars um yeah we're just at under an hour for recording now which i can't remember the last time we did that <laughs> <laughs> it's a rarity for us yeah it is it is kind of <laughs> but it's weird because I, I really did enjoy this episode a lot i it did it laid good pieces for what's coming down the line uh had a lot of fun humor action of course it looked incredible and i'm definitely gonna be sad next week to say goodbye to this arc but i'm also really looking forward to what's coming next <laughs> Yeah, let's get to Ahsoka. I'm ready. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think that we really did need to have these four episodes before we get into the crazy meat that is the rest of the season. I just have this real feeling that things are going to get crazy, intense. Seeing Ahsoka again is going to be a lot. But I don't know (laughs) if we even really needed to start there. So I'm glad that we started where we started here Mm -hmm. to get us to kind of dive back into the politics of the war like here we are discussing the <laughs> whether or not neutrality is good or you know all these things like i think we needed to get into this mindset before we get into these sort of individual character explorations that we'll get with ahsoka with anakin all these things that we're not necessarily 100 percent ready for um just based off of emotions I, we needed to start here and i'm really happy with that yeah i i think you're right i think you're absolutely right it's going to be a ride, that's for sure. <laughs> and we're going to be here talking about it. <laughs> we are. <laughs> so I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode of the Clone Wars Recap and Analysis. If you want to find us online, we're on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod or our personal handles. Charlotte's is at Clarity and mine is at Caitlin Plusher. We're also, we also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, as well as Instagram and Facebook. You can also send us an email, SkyTalkersPodcast at gmail.com if you want. If you haven't left us a review... How could you not after my excellent Bad Batch themed iTunes review pitch last week? I just, I don't get it. (laughs) Um, But if you would like to leave us a review, it does really help our show out and we would really appreciate it. And if you're interested in more ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Yes, absolutely. And I want to shout out some of our amazing patrons. Nathan, James, Shelbo, Bridget, Thomas, Mike, Jessica, Jenna, Spencer, Jason, and Joey. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.
Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.